Hi, and welcome to Season 5 of Business Book Talk. Hope you're going to enjoy this new season. I'm really excited about it. I'm sure you will really enjoy some of the books that we have planned. So let's get on with the show. Hi, everybody. It's Bob again, and I've got How to Reform a Business School, the Ivy League Way, and I've got Ashish Jaswal with me today. Uh, And now you're hanging out 12 hours away in India. What's the weather like there right now? It's hot. It's, uh, it was, uh, Bob, thanks for having me. It it was 43 degree centigrade today. Oh man, that's like you could fry eggs on the sidewalk. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It's very hot. Um, This is a fascinating book. Uh, You know, in this, uh, in the show where we've interviewed lots and lots and lots of authors about uh, different things going on, specific problems. This comes up again and again is, uh, this is a great theory, but shouldn't the schools be teaching it? And are the schools being, are are schools part of the problem? So I'm going to have a lot of fun chatting with you today about uh, what you've done with this book. Now, I wanted to ask you, uh, you've basically gone in and uh, taken a look at Yale and used that as your case study. But why particularly are you doing it that way? Is it because the book is an academic way of approaching the problem? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that, you know, most of the people who are following the sort of the debate around business schools uh, understand and I mean, they're well aware that there are criticisms of business school. Most of the people talk about what's wrong with business schools. And it has been sort of sort of a problem. I mean, business schools understand it. People who follow business schools, they also sort of understand it. But sort of, you know, when you look, in, look into, into it deeply, what, what one realizes is that, uh, that, that although there is a lot of talk about what's wrong with business schools, what, what we notice, interestingly, is that there is very little available on what should be done. Uh, and uh, uh, basically what happens is that, I mean, if a business school, let's say, wants to change or if it says, all right, I understand things are wrong, uh, let me change. Uh, what sort of it will uh, encounter is that there would be lack of examples of business schools undertaking reforms. And uh, whatever is available, the majority of case studies uh or the claims made by business schools, if you look into deep, I mean, in my initial uh, years of research, what I found was, and I've sort of mentioned that in my book, uh, that most of it uh, turns out to be purely cosmetic or changes made at the fringes of the curriculum, sort of rather than at its core. And, um, and the business schools sort of, they, they, they did not show courage and initiated major reforms. Uh, uh, and, and, and sort of, I mean, I understand that the curriculum reform is not an easy business and sort of it often ends in bitter failures. So, uh, I mean, they, that's where sort of I thought that problem lies that, you know, yes, there has been a lot of talk about we need to change. But let's assume that if business school raises its hand and says that, all right, I want, I want to change, what concrete substantial examples or material is available for it to follow or look into? And that is probably the gap which I thought that probably it's very interesting to sort of bridge. And, and hence, I sort of started looking for business schools who, who could sort of show, um, you know, some kind of indication that they're undertaking reforms. And another thing which I sort of realized that, you know, I mean, when I was sort of kind of isolating cases, I realized that, you know, most of them, as I said, they turned out to be not not a major change. I mean, the claims were that you, we are reforming, but, you know, when in the initial research, I had to drop them because they were not significant changes. I have sort of defined what a significant change is in my book. And, uh, and, and it, on those, on that framework, when I sort of uh, found about Yale, uh, I realized that, you know, in my, my initial data revealed that Yale is uh, definitely undertaking a substantial reform. But the second problem, which, which I sort of encountered, and I, and I think that everybody who wants to research in business schools encounter, is, um, is uh, that business schools are pretty averse of allowing any, any other person to sort of scrutinize or look uh, into them. Uh, 
for several reasons. I mean, like business schools, I mean, it's a competitive world. They don't want to share what's going on inside. And I mean, there's a fear that, you know, uh, I mean, it may turn out, not turn out sort of as they're, they're expecting. So, I mean, uh, uh, I think that access uh, uh, into a business school, which is sort of of, of Ivy League status is significant and the results of of that of of the reforms of that business schools are important for the business uh, academicians i think for that reason i i i sort of when i got an access into yale uh, uh, it was um, at the time yale's dean was uh, joel podolny and podolny i found to be quite 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 a remarkable person because he said that you know i'm i'm open whatever am i doing i'm doing here i'm sort of quite open and and access which i got in Yale was quite sort of wide and it, there wasn't any restriction in terms of I could sit in the classrooms, I could sort of talk to faculty members, I could talk to students, I could talk to the non-teaching staff. So it was a it was an institution-wide access and, and I realized that, you know, if I look into sort of this particular case in depth uh, over a period of sort of a couple of years, then I, I might be able to find um, quite relevant data. And I think that, you know, that is why Perhaps I look. I went into the direction where one case at a time, and and that's probably what, in the hindsight, I can say that. But that's what I sort of um, argue in my in my in my in my book that one has to, uh, if if we have to build theory, it has to stand on such in-depth case studies rather than sort of a very generic narrative, and and that's that's probably where I where I come from. That you know one. Uh, strong, solid, in-depth, rigorous case study from which we can derive uh, lessons and if sort of 100 of such case studies happen, then we'll have a consolidated theory. Mm. Well, you know, that there's some fascinating stuff that came up uh, when you were making those points and uh, I want to talk about, you know, for, for the, the listening audience that don't understand what's going on with business schools, um, about the failures of business schools, um, they're not really failing. What they're doing is they're not keeping up with the times, and because of that, they're exasperating some of the problems that are out there. Do you think that's a fair uh, ass- assumption? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, what I would say is that, you know, I mean, uh, see, uh, we have to, if, if we look into the figures, so there are, I mean, we can, I mean, broadly say, just to make it interesting, that there are two kinds of business schools. So, I mean, there are roughly about 13,000 business schools in the world, uh, sending about two million MBA graduates every year into the economy. So, so, but we can divide safely into business schools into those who are ranked uh, probably 100, 200, at the most 300, uh, and the rest. So, I mean, it's kind of one percent versus the rest as far as even business schools are concerned. So, when we when we look at from the perspective of uh, the, the the top one percent. The numbers always fascinate uh, the the audience or the intended, the prospective students or the parents that, yes, everything is right with business schools. The salaries are on the rise. Uh, they, they, the numbers which are being sort of, um, which comes out with all the pr- pr- prominent rankings, uh, like recently it, it's about like a 91% rise from what you were getting before you were doing, you got into an MBA. So, so. Even in those business schools, let's let's say that the top 200 business schools. What's wrong with them? Even even we leave aside the the, the rest, we can we can clearly see. I mean, uh, I I I quoted this earlier that I mean, if you look at sort of two very generic statements, like one 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 comes from Google's co-founder Larry Page. I mean, he said that he finds, um, as I said, that MBA's approach of doing business stupid, uh, and he would he would he would not would would not would be sort of cautious in, in recruiting MBAs at, at sort of top positions. And the, and the second is like the co-founder of, of PayPal, Peter, said that, you know, I mean, he finds MBA students having herd mentality, uh, a herd mentality and sort of lack of conviction. So, I mean, the, the, these are all the generic statements, but, but they sort of reflect a sort of general sentiment that, you know, and, you know, I mean, what, what I want to say is that, you know, if you're looking at the top 200 business schools of the world, what we are looking at, at at sort of a human capital, which is kind of uh, sort of pr- predominantly running the economy of the world. So we are talking about a very important human 
uh, manpower, human resource. Very important, very critical, very crucial in terms of their objectives, in terms of their contribution to the world. And, and here I would like to bring in a very interesting point that, you know, Oxford and Cambridge, two of the world's more, uh, oldest universities, it took them sort of, you know, the first business schools if it sort of got, you know, established in around 1881. Uh, the, uh, it's, the, the business schools at Oxford and Cambridge are only 20 years old. And uh, there was a reluctance at, at these universities. And even if I take example of Yale, uh, the, business schools, the business school only came up around about 40 years ago in 1970s. And only when, when, when there, was, there was a substantial endowment given. The reason for that is that, you know, they, you know if, I, if I take a statement of, you know, that one of the sort of Yale's president who rejected the idea of opening a business school. I mean, he said that, you know, the, uh, it's, it's uh, Yale's mission is, uh, is to strengthen one's power of thought and instant knowledge and appreciation of civilization and civilized values. So it is, it is this, this sort of thought which is that, oh, what business schools teach is something which is anti-society or anti-equality or, you know, it, it would sort of feed into the 1%, 99% gap or it is sort of enhancing the wealth disparity. And, you know, there is this, this, this general reluctance among the intellectuals or the academicians that, you know, business schools were kind of, you know, a, sort of a place where only those who, who go into there make loads of money and they may not sort of bring it back to the society. So, you know, that is where, that, that's from, uh, that's, that's the, the, the ground on which business schools kind of stood. And as they, as they established themselves, I found that there was a lack of philosophical component. I mean, the discussion on the applications of profits or what we would want these business graduates to be at the end of the day, that sort of part of the curriculum sort of went completely amiss. I mean, right now they are talking about bringing business ethics into, into the curriculum. But, you know, the, the gap widened. And today we have to start talking about that this is wrong or that is wrong. So that's one aspect of it. That, that's a very substantial aspect that when we are talking about the, the most important human resource of sort of, of the economy, what are we expecting out of them? How are we training them in terms of their ethics, in terms of their, as you rightly pointed, that, you know, are we training them well for the future? So is it, is, is, are we sort of training them to uh, bring prosperity back to the society? Are we even concerned about that? Are we even talking about that to them? Is it their job? Is it their sort of um, matter of concern that, you know, I'm, I'm only concerned about my bottom line. I'm only concerned about my profit. So I'm not, I can very safely enter into, uh, you know, with my degree, create a sort of a $20 billion business and I'm, I'm not answerable. So I'm saying that, you know, what kind of leaders we are, we are preparing and, and, you know, when you compare it with the statements of the top business schools of the world, you see a definite gap in terms of when you, when you, when you look at the statements, mission statements of MIT, Harvard or, or any top league business schools, you would see that, you know, how we are going to create sort of this leader who is going to sort of solve the world problem. So the mission statements are very foggy, very sort of ambitious. And, and when we sort of distill down and sort of get into the nuts and bolts of the curriculum, what we find is the, the, the pedagogy is archaic. The curriculum is, is sort of uh, is, is, is not up to the mark. It requires uh, a sort of complete overhaul. Uh, the admission policies is kind of suffocate it's suffocated by standardized tests and preferring people who are sort of conformist to the conventional career paths and people who sort of could, you know, contribute to the economy through entrepreneurial route are sort of, you know, filtered out. So, I mean, in terms of broadly speaking, teaching, in terms of their contribution to the society, in terms of, I, I would say, lack of training and, you know, looking at what's going on in the world. Uh, there is there is a lot to change. So criticism encircles around broadly these points that, you know, what we are uh, doing with the MBA graduates, how they are entering into the world and their training, their skill set, the curriculum, the pedagogy and sort of, you know, and eventually like, you know, what, what, what will happen? I mean, what kind of, 
and and i mean let uh, the debate is also open and transparent that you know if we are not preparing them to be these leaders who would whom we are expecting everything sort of from then then we can sort of be very open about it and our i mean we are just preparing managers or or are not very sort of far reaching uh, guys who have far reaching effect mm. well you know there's there's a couple things that are very interesting i'd like to dig a little bit in uh one was the, the the value statement, and also um, it's kind of sounds like schools have uh, taken the industrial revolution approach to stuff, and basically, how can we most efficiently pump out as many students as possible uh, with a specific uh, grade value, so these people get work, so we can get more students, so we can make more money, and. If you run, if you're running a school um, like that, with, and there's nothing wrong with running it like that. I mean, that's a lot of businesses are run like that. It's in the long run, it's an unsustainable reality because you're putting out people that are just going to continue to think and work and have an industrial age style business management set. And so the moralities that the schools are bringing in. For me, I think that's basically a hangover from the way universities have always been run, which has been, uh, on the business side at least, uh, theory, where you have these amazing mathematicians and amazing theorists that come up with the mechanics of making things uh more effective, but are completely 100% a dehumanization of it because it's in mathematical form, um, which is fine if you're a pure mathematician, but if you're not and you're an HR specialist or you're building or want to build uh, an economy that's based on giving back, that doesn't exist. And it's, you know, out of many, many of the books that we've talked about on this show, um, that I think seems to be the big stopping point for a lot of these uh, guys that are writing books. It's like, yeah, this is what we should be doing. And I always say, yeah, but shouldn't this be, shouldn't this book be part of the curriculum of schools? And they say, yeah, I wish. So um, to have a book like this come out to say basically, yeah, guys, we're now looking at you as the school that is bringing people into the real world. Uh, you're failing because you're not introducing uh, the humanities. You're not introducing classic thinking. Uh, and we have to basically get off this treadmill approach, this factory approach, because the world of business isn't run like that anymore. It's There's a lot of um, put a product out there, experiment with it, and then pivot the whole company if it's not meeting the demands that the society is expecting of it. So um, what I'd like to chat about really for you, because I'm sure everybody's fascinating – you know, you're very well written. You've got a great background. What was your aha moment? What was something that you knew was a reality, but when you did the book and had done many of the interviews and done this research that became crystal clear? It's like, wow, now I truly get it. You know, I mean, I, uh, I mean, that would be slightly jumping the gun, but I mean, I uh, have been sort of toying up with this, with this groundbreaking pedagogical idea which can sort of answer these questions or sort of weed out these limitations and which, which certainly, for example, like I, I consider that case study is, is sort of, is sort of not, not the method. So I, I mean, that, that, that's the direction where I'm in taking the learnings from the book. I, I'm sort of working on that, that, you know, could there be a, a sort of a, a new age teaching method, a groundbreaking something which, which encompasses this constant state of flux and teaches these these sort of students with tremendous potential and sort of be able to train them and also keep pace with with the change so that's that's the intention that you know could we have any 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 such any you know such curriculum or such teaching method is is it po even possible with with the, with the current sort of things happening in such a such a tremendous pace so I mean, my aha movement uh, moment in sort of while doing this was, I mean, one thing which I which I uh, used to think, and it, it got sort of proven, is that, uh, I mean, I found a paradox which is quite interesting. Is that, uh, you know, business schools have a unique DNA. Uh, they establish on certain sort of so there is a history associated with their establishment. 
they would have got an endowment with certain conditions. They would have come into picture with, with some sort of, you know, uh, you know, some restriction, some condition, some theory, and the initial sort of uh, uh, faculty members or the initial team would have some sort of bend towards either humanities or the technical side or mathematics or, you know, whether it's soft skill, hard skill. So there is a history associated with it. Um, as a business school moves along and as they carry out their initial sort of um, uh, reforms or changes or the kind of students they, they, they recruit, uh, that gets consolidated. So the DNA gets sort of imprinted in a manner where it, it, it sort of starts leaving its mark on that business school. So the change which is brought in is a, is a resultant of the kind of people it is associating itself with. So in a way, it's, it's, it's a resultant of what's happening or what has happened with the business schools. For example, with Yale, there is a, there is a history associated with it. Uh, they sided with the soft skill. They sided with there was a restriction on the endowment that you know. So even if, if, if initial days of I mean Yale was so strongly uh, loyal towards its identity that it refused to call itself a, an MBA or a business school. It it used to call it sort of a institute of organization and management, and then still school of management and not like Yale Business School. So there is a reason behind that why we, we would not call ourselves business school. We'll call ourselves Yale School of Management. Now that has a history associated with it because it was organization and management. And that has a history associated with it that at one point in time they had majority of faculty members who were there were soft skills faculty members. And, and there has been an example where uh, faculty members when, they, uh, when one of the deans came, uh, came in and he decided to completely revamp the curriculum and said that okay hang on we are going to have a sort of a hard skill MBA now and we'll have more sort of people you know we'll prepare students you know with the investment banking background and so, so on and so forth there was a major major revolt and you know it resulted in a major showdown so that reflected that, you know, how far a business school can move away from its DNA. And that, if we see from a broader perspective, from a top view, we realize that business schools are eventually, what, they are, what they're dishing out is a function of their inner sort of, you know, their inner limitations or their inner stereotypes or their inner bends or their inner sort of, uh, you know, how the forces or how the power struggle come and sort of negotiate. And if, if I'm a stronger faculty member, if I had been a stronger dean. So it's, you know, and then the outer discourse, if we see from a, as an outsider perspective, we say, oh, business schools are not doing this or business schools have to do this. But when, you, when we look inside, so what, what I mean, my aha mo mo moment was that, you know, uh, that business school, how much can they change? And if they, if, they, if they have to change or are, if they are changing, they're, they're, they're resulting into these isolated pockets of, you know, brands or identities which are sort of a function of what's going on inside and their history and their DNA. So when, when, we, when, we, when we expect something out of them, this becomes a very important um, uh, you know, variable to consider. And I think that was what I realized that, you know, if we have to change, then business schools uh, uh, will have to realize and recognize that fact and that, you know, okay, hang on, that, you know, could we even employ this change? That was one thing. And the second uh, aha uh, sort of thing uh, uh, which, I, which I found was that I, I realized that uh, one of the most sort of, you know, the case study method on which sort of the entire business school sort of stands it definitely is showing cracks. And I think that, you know, I had sort of this vague idea of this business teaching method, which, which should have sort of, I mean, case study is now 100 years old, but it's still considered to be one of the most sort of or most widely used teaching method in the world. And I, and I certainly realized that, you know, probably a few years down the line or, I mean, if business schools do that, it would certainly be replaced by a completely different pedagogy. Uh, another thing which I which I found is that uh, there is a high chance uh, <clears throat> that business schools <clears throat> will have more students who would be 
interested or would be willing to take path of offering jobs rather than s taking jobs. And that's a very, very significant <clears throat> realization. Um, I, I, talking to the students, talking to the faculty members of sort of uh, a prominent business school and also sort of other business schools, I realize that there is a, there is a greater sort of connection between students and uh, uh, and the industry in a sense that the other departments of, of, of a university, the students are kind of getting closer to them. And, and there is this growing tendency among students that, you know, we would want to take our own path. And this is a resultant of their own entrepreneurial zeal, what's happening in the world, the lowering of the barriers of establishing businesses, and also in a way, the, the kind of pressure business school face in order to place students. So that is something which is very significant if you look at business schools, that, you know, the kind of, do I need to go to a business school to be uh, in a in a company or in a cushion job, or do I go there to learn uh, in order to be able to give jobs? So the business schools would change in that in that sense. So that that those are probably my learnings. Hmm. Yeah, and some of them are fascinating. Um, one thing that that uh, stood out, you said that the replacement of the case study to a new style of of um, research or, or teaching technique. Um, could you expand on that a little tiny bit? What do you think would be a good replacement for case study? Yeah, I mean, like if you look at the case study today, uh, what we realize is that what 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 does a case study sort of achieves? And I mean, uh, I mean, looking at its sort of uh, fundamentals or nuts and bolts of of a case study, what we realize is that it uses, I mean. Yes, there are variants of case studies, but it uses fictional data, uh, which are sort of very sort of dated. Uh, it's 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 sort of isolated. So, for example, there is a marketing case study. There is a <clears throat> there is a finance case study. Uh, now, when we operate in sort of the real world, and in today's real world, what we realize is that the, the business situation changes every day, and when we have to encounter a problem. And, and more and more, as the companies are getting sort of smaller, what we realize is that, I mean, I mean take the example of, of WhatsApp or take the example of any sort of small companies. I mean, WhatsApp had not more than 50 people and it got sold for, God knows, $4 billion or something. So what we realize is that, you know, when we are looking at a case study, which is, which is you know, set up as a method which uses hang on, we have to create, so there, there's a whole huge sort of department which is dedicated, or a team which is dedicated to preparing cases. Now look at the time, how much time it'll take to prepare one case, and look at the time when it'll come to a student's table and get discussed in a classroom, and that case is, okay, hang on, there is this financial problem in this company, whether it's a startup or not, but I'm saying is that we can, we can immediately identify the limitations of, if you teach me through this method, I mean, today I can go out and, and get sort of immediate information about, so can you tell me something about uh, the, the guys who have established Minecraft or the guys who are establishing these apps, which are sort of making, you know, revolutionizing the, the, the scene. If, I, if, I, if I'm talking about that, sadly, in the classroom, uh, you know, because it requires that preparation, there's a team involved, it's a, it's, it's a sort of a... Uh, intensive labor intensive business and it's also a business in a way that you know you, the case studies are sold around the world and imagine you know I mean we are talking about 250 top business schools imagine those hundreds and thousands of business schools I mean like I can tell you an example I mean right now I'm sitting in a in a in a as I mentioned to you like in a small town in, in, in India uh, there are business schools here who would be teaching case studies which are probably five to six years old uh, because they are sort of using that. I mean, imagine a student studying in such a business school. What is he getting out of that dated company data where world is moving sort of at a, such a fast pace? So the new methodology has to have the components where it gives you first, it gives you, let's say, an integrated view of the world. I mean, today, whatever problem comes on my table because of the fact that companies are getting smaller and smaller in size in that sense at least the 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 talking about the top band or you know companies which would sort of grow in future the garage operations or uh, technology based i need to have an integrated view i have to wear sort of uh, uh, you know i have to 
look at a problem in a much more sort of integrated manner rather than sort of okay hang on it's my job as a marketing head or something so that's that's one thing the integration of my vision or integration of my sort of approach that's one thing which which the case study lacks now there are integrated case studies there have been sort of some kind of sort of improvements in then but then that's not what the mainstream case study is people are trying to change it the, the other thing which i which i mentioned to is the real time thing that you know things are happening in real time can you teach me something in real time can you can you can you can you say okay hang on this is what's happening now what's your performance on this can you contribute to this and i judge you on that because you know if we see a real life situation if a person encounters a business problem in a real life situation it's a very it's like a point i mean if if you look at like a point in a spider's web where there is this complex situation encircling that problem and if you bring that problem in isolation isolated bring inside the laboratory or the classroom and say hang on give me your opinion about it you are basically putting you know it's like a rat in a lab situation i mean like it's completely different from what's happening outside so i mean that's the direction in which I mean, it should move and and uh, the other thing is like the the uh, how we are training them to sort of create companies and embrace what's going on in the world uh, are we preparing them for example if you like uh, look, look at the example of subprime mod uh, you know mortgage crisis or if you look at the the recession in the economy so are we sort of preparing them i mean if if you see the trend we are preparing them as submissive force where okay hang on i have taught you you're 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 occupying this position you're going there you're being part of the system and as a resultant of uh, you know which something happens so apart from the re the integrated real time approach uh, where you are able to embrace the change and the sort of the futuristic sort of you know um, you know economy uh, you also need to sort of uh, be well aware of the the totality of the system so there has to be a systemic sort of angle associated with the approach and not a unit approach i mean i say that you know you 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 are sort of prepared on a very unit level um, um, you know skill set and it's not a very systemic skill set it's not something which makes you think about the globe or the world or the other economies or the developing economies or or sort of what's going on so it's it's a it's a very sort of a skewed unidimensional approach it has to be very multidimensional very transdisciplinary i mean you can or you may require to talk to sort of so you know that's that's where i i think that you know it's quite obsolete and it's 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 uh, I mean, I, I consider it quite shocking that you know why it's not being changed, and you know why we do not have such dynamism uh, within business schools, where where we are sort of uh, where we take the onus that you know it's my responsibility to change the economy rather than get changed by the by the economy. I mean, let me sort of push people who are willing to change the economy, develop more sort of you know create more jobs. Uh, you know develop this sort of ethical sort of framework and i mean because of this i mean like you know if, in india because there is a redundant sort of approach to teaching 147 business schools they shut their shops last year and more than 300 business schools have uh, shut down in the past 3 years in india and, and i mean that's that's the trend that's a reflection on what could go wrong with business schools well okay um a couple of things there uh economically um uh, there are many many business schools out there that don't need to be there because the demand doesn't meet the ability for the school to fill its uh <clears throat> fill and and be profitable so i could see that causing the trend more so than the inability for the school to bring out ethical students but more than anything else i think what happens when an mba student comes out um even if it's you know a ba an mba or a phd uh professor coming out of a business school and then getting absorbed into a larger organization the crisis i think that happens for that academic person is they go into an alien world where the world of academia 
is so radically different than the day-to-day workforce and the you know dealing with politics, dealing with uh, the personalities, dealing with the actual DNA of the company, which. Uh, 90% of the time is driven from the C-suite down. And, you know, you don't get hired as an MBA and put in the C-suite unless it's a very, very small company. You have a relationship with people. So doesn't a lot of the schooling and the ethics um, that are connected to that school or that particular student get morphed or distorted based on their three to five or ten-year uh, tenure in that um particular company as they grow into the organization into a uh, position of power where they can actually make fundamental changes. Yes, I would agree. I would completely agree. So uh, is would... so should schools be going to univer- going to to big organizations and I'm I'm talking about the global organizations that are out there and say hey, you're fundamentally screwing up what we're trying to do here guys. You as an institution have to re-educate yourself. And does it make sense for the academia to do that, or because you know traditionally, at least for for uh, people to get a, that look at schools, they're supposed to be set aside and 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 protected in their grounds, and what they teach is um, can't be touched or influenced by larger organizations. Yet larger organizations try to influence them. Shouldn't it be the other way around. Yeah, I mean, see, I mean, in that, you know, one fundamental obstacle or limitation is that, I mean, I, I mean, I'll give you a sort of uh, an analogy with, with, I mean, let's assume parents, like, you know, there is a time in life where, where, I mean, parents have to sort of say that, okay, I mean, I can tell you, I can probably sort of uh, guide you. Uh, uh, and, you know, there's a point in time when you will start taking your own decisions. And then, you know, at you know, from time to time, I can just tell you that, okay, okay, this is going right, this is going wrong. So, you know, I mean, uh, if education is concerned, I mean, you have to sort of let go or you do let go uh, and say that, okay, you are there. And, you know, imagine a student who is 15 years, uh, you know, after his MBA degree, the 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 impact which the school would have on that particular person or the organization in general would be weak. Uh, they they started with the concept of executive um, MBAs uh, uh, and sort of short courses for this very reason to 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 fill this gap that okay you come back to us we'll tell you that you know this is how sort of things this is, this is the latest happening and this is how you can sort of change the culture of the organization uh, but you know that's all in theory uh, I don't think so that these short-term programs or these connections between business schools and the organization are um, resulting in anything but money. I mean, it's like there are short courses at these top schools are largely, I mean, I'll give you a very interesting statistics that more money comes from the executive MBA programs and the short courses than the actual MBA. So, so for that, that's a cash cow for me and the, the expenses are less. So if I'm a Harvard, um, I would probably sell a three week course probably at nothing less than $20,000. So that's like, that's where, you know, my, my major money comes from. So in that sense, am I doing this for sort of bringing that organization under my influence and telling them that change and, you know, you haven't done the job well, um, I, I doubt. Uh, secondly, I think that, you know, uh, the connection definitely is, is weak. I mean, why that connection, how that connection can be made stronger uh, is, a, is a very sort of interesting area to look at. But today, there is no sort of <clears throat> liability or sort of there is no answer. I mean, I, I, I'm not answerable to a business school as such. I mean, if I'm, uh, I, although I'm an alumni or I'm sort of sitting in an organization. So, I mean, it's like, it's largely because it's driven. I mean, uh, I mean, interestingly, if you see the CVs of those who are teaching in business schools and the kind of, uh, you know, uh, things they have achieved in life uh, versus, at least in theory, in terms of Nobel Prize, you know, I mean, business schools always claim that, you know, we have these many Nobel laureates in our, in our sort of faculty members. Uh, how many MBAs who go out uh, follow that path and achieve sort of these sort of 
applauds or these sort of contributing back to the society. So I think that you know that is that that problem which you sort of have identified. I think that that's that's a very crucial problem. I mean, one thing which I sort of uh, just wanted to add that you know, I mean, my whole interest in this area is because of the fact that you know, if you look at the trends in higher education of the past two decades, what one realizes is that you know there is a growing uh, sort of disillusionment among students with respect to other disciplines. So in US today, MBA or business uh, degrees are the largest cohort of higher education. So more people go into uh, business studies than in all the studies combined together. And that's that's I don't know. I mean, that's is that good for the society? Bad for the society? Let's let's talk about that later. But what I'm saying is that you know, so there is a there is this general tendency among even scientists, mathematicians, innovators, doctors, lawyers, you name it, engineers who would then want to get a business degree and then sort of you know enter into that area. So that's 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 the trend that that has happened. If that happens, then you know. Is, that's something that's an area which would, would definitely require I mean imagine if everybody in this society is an MBA or a business graduate and this is what we are teaching them or um, that's the influence large organizations ha have on them I think that, that that's an area which calls for for a lot of uh, sort of uh, I mean careful handling and I mean it requires a lot of attention so I think that that is something which which I which 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 concerned me initially that you know if if I mean more so in developing economy that you know they everybody wants to do an MBA I mean every second person you meet they they want to do an MBA and hence these uh, business schools took advantage of that and they opened these fly by night shops and there are like you know. Um, these sort of uh, business schools at every nook and corner in 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 India, and and what are they teaching them? And you know what uh, will happen? Of I mean, recent study of a Wall Street Journal suggested that ninety one percent of students who come out of Indian business schools are unemployable, and and everybody wants to do an MBA in India. I mean, where you are engineer, uh, you would want to do an MBA. Leave your engineering because at the end of the day, it's about money. So I mean, we are looking about. I mean, if, if that's the trend, then 30 years down the line, you have to be prepared that, you know, we'll have more uh, sort of um, business graduates dealing with, the, you know, the business aspect of the economy rather than the innovation aspect of the economy or rather than the contributing aspect of the economy. So that's that's something which I sort of wanted to bring out. Uh, and that's probably, I think, that, you know, why we should look at MBA teaching carefully. Mm. Well, you know. <laughs> It is interesting because, you know, I run into people all the time say, oh, you know, I'm considering get my MBA because then I can get more money. If that's what you perceive an MBA is, then the schools have failed in communicating what the value of an MBA is. Um, and they're going, well, get an MBA because you're going to make more money. If you get tens of thousands of redundant MBAs out on the market, then it has no value. You know, it, it, it'll just be become a pre-requirement like having a high school education to get to work at McDonald's. So, well, you don't have an MBA. Uh, sorry, we can't consider you. Two major problems with that. Number one, if you can't get a job uh, with an MBA salary after getting an MBA, how are you going to pay for your MBA? So it puts an incredible stress on the economy. And if the MBA is functionally or, or dysfunction, a dysfunctional MBA uh, that's just taught you uh, fundamental uh techniques, but not the ethics behind that techniques or the ramifications or long-term thinking or sustainability, all those type of things, for sure, the value of an MBA actually decreases. And companies, like you're saying, that are very uh, small but uh, have the capability of making huge money, a lot of those are like small family companies. If you come in uh, shooting from the hip as an MBA guy, oh, we got to do this and we got to do these charts, you're not going to fit within that culture. So that's another failing, I think, of a lot of these uh, schools. They're putting out MBAs um, for organizations, uh, the 1% of the 1% of organizations out there. If there's 2 billion MBAs out there, those MBA guys 
aren't going to be working for the 1% of the 1% that that MBA data works in. So should they have a like a hybrid MBA? Is there, uh, should they, if you want to work at this type of company, this is the MBA course you should take if you want to work with a mom and pops company. This is the type of MBA. If you want to be a business person or a solopreneur or build your own company, this is the type of MBA. Do you think that's a, a, a better way of approaching the problem by breaking it up and because everything is so specialized this day, why couldn't you have specialized MBA programs? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like, uh, before sort of answering that specialized MBA question, just just also want to sort of uh, take on that, that, you know, see, I mean, I was talking to the sort of the FT editor in London, and I, and I sort of realized that, you know, the FT, FT rankings uh, suggest that, you know, <clears throat> Well, I have to, as a, as a big company, I have to hire brilliant resource. So I would go to Harvard every year to hire people, and if I if I sort of would go to Harvard every year to to hire them, uh, then there are sort of there is this uh, you know everybody knows that you know and then they have it has been pointed out in, in time and again in articles and magazines and people have quoted that you know if you give me the admission list uh, 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 like Roger Martin of uh, the Rotman school team he said that I mean uh, you know if you give me the admission uh, list uh, uh, and and uh, I mean I would I would rather hire from the admission list rather than the, the, the MBA list so if that's the situation that you know Business schools know that, at least the top business schools know that, you know, people have to come to us to, uh, to, to hire and companies know that we have to hire them uh, and, and we may train them. I mean, they will, they will come into the company and we'll train them. So that is something which is sort of not pushing these business schools, at least the top ones which are featuring in the FT rankings or, 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 or these rankings. Uh, and the numbers are growing up, salary numbers are growing up because that number is still uh, small. Uh, and that is that is one thing that why the change is not happening at the top level. And if it doesn't happen at the top le- level, it doesn't trickle down at the lower level. And, and, and it's sort of the problem is kind of a chicken and egg and it's kind of, you know, not not solvable in that sense. That's one thing which I sort of wanted to point out. I mean, my view, uh, I would slightly beg to differ in the sense that, you know, I mean, I, I, I think that the most of the problems with MBA uh, is, is because of its, I mean, it's, 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 it's funny that, you know, it's a, generic, it's a generic qualification, but at the same time, it's very specific in, voca- I mean, specific in the sense that it's vocationalized. So, I mean, I see it, I mean, I may be completely wrong here, but I mean, according to me, it is a very generic thing, very fluffish, where, you know, you are neither here nor there. I mean, you, you, I mean, it's the curriculum of MBA, like picking up from sort of lots of other disciplines and sort of creating this, 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 um, this bundle of uh, whatever we may call it. Uh, but at the same time, what I mean, I consider it like generic at the same time, it's like very vocational. So it doesn't, I mean, I think, probably in future and I may and I said that I may be completely wrong here that I think that you know a, a qualification which is which is more sort of on the lines of uh, of sort of a very uh, liberal and I and I and I and I know that you know a lot of people would sort of raise flags here but on the liberal uh, arts line where you have sort of uh, I mean I mean, people would say that, you know, we are closing Department of History or, or, or Arts or Literature and what are, what are you talk, talking about? But, you know, liberal in, ter- in the sense of approach to the problem. I mean, if you see, if you pick up a leader or even, I mean, if you see the creative guys, you would see that, you know, they are quite integrated in their approach. They are specialized. But at the same time, they have this, this unique ability to look at things from a very, very, uh, I would say, integrated perspective. And I think that, you know... Uh, my problem with with the MBA qualification or the MBA skill set is that it's very unit oriented. I mean, it's, it's it's specialized, although it's very generic. I mean, it's, that's that's where it, the problem lies. Very generic in nature, but at the same time, the guy who comes out of with an MBA, for me, he he's a very very sort of a unit oriented guy. He's very uh, uh, unidimensional in that sense. So for me, a specialized MBA probably would take him into the direction where uh, 
I mean, let's assume that I mean there are MBAs, crazy specialized MBAs in India. Like you know, one is uh, let's say there's a uh, there's an MBA in 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 travel uh, or a, or a hotel management MBA or a or a transport MBA. I mean, a transport MBA uh, is is uh, is something which I mean, if it's not done carefully, and if you if you're talking about a two-year MBA, you would obviously reduce the critical core component of MBA, and then you would sort of in your electives you would probably put like transport or travel or whatever hotel management into it. Uh, would you be able to sort of teach them the nuances of the business, the fundamentals, the the core sort of aspects as I'm talking about that you know where? I mean, so I'm 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 pretty sort of. Uh, I would say different in that sense that you know I would rather have more uh, Aristotle uh, I mean Aristotelian or the Platoian kind of an MBA where you are absolutely uh, you know have a grip on the the the, the sort of uh, the entirety of the situation and the philosophy of it uh, and are able to sort of talk to the innovators and the other people and it has to be transdisciplinary rather than specialized so i mean i would rather be happy if you have an understanding of how you would talk to and bring uh, work in a team with a scientist and understand and respect his contribution or a chemist or 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 uh, sort of other sort of technical people um, rather than you sort of getting specialized into one kind of line i mean i may be wrong here as i said no, I think that's a that's an amazing, you know, thing that you said because it's really, at the end of the day, it's the ability for the uh, graduate to ultimately help the organization be profitable. But if it's always bottom line driven, and they cannot think outside of the box, they're not really bringing a lot of value to an organization. Uh, you know, we could chat like this all day long because for me, this is fascinating stuff, but we've run out of time. Uh, today, we've been talking with Ashish, uh, his book, How to Reform a Business School, The Ivy League Way. I highly recommend it. It's a beautifully done book. Um, and uh, for anybody that's uh, actually considering business in school uh, and an MBA program or a BA program, uh, anybody that's been in an organization, uh, regardless if you have an MBA, I think this is fascinating reading and uh, highly recommend it. So, Ashish, thanks for coming on the show. Well, I must thank you for sort of uh, giving me the opportunity to speak to your audience and I, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that show and do me a favor and tweet about it. Follow us on Facebook if you haven't done that already. We really appreciate it. See you next week.